0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 5, and the quote of the day is from Whitney Young. It's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one, than to have an opportunity and not be prepared for it. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Ruffini, and we're coming at you with information, education, and motivation for drumming
1: from beyond. And beyond.
0: What's going on, everybody? Nick Rafini here with the Drummers Resource Podcast, and I got my buddy Felix DeCap Pollard on the show today. Felix plays with Lionel Richie, he's also played with Taylor Hicks, Anastasia, Sheila E, George Duke, Shaka Khan, The Staple Singers, Jessica Simpson, Brian Culbertson, Phil Upchurch, Clay Akins, and a ton of other people. He's an LA cat. He's normally or er, originally from uh, from Chicago. And I met Felix, I don't know, maybe seven years ago or something like that. But uh, we were playing a show together. And I'm actually, I'm going to quiz him and see if he remembers where we met. So I'm not going to get into that right now. But when we met, he was just cool, just super cool. And was and was like, here, man, you know, here's my phone number. Here's my email address. Let's connect. Let's Let's chat. And so over the years, we've developed this relationship. We talk back and forth a lot and, you know, text and email and, and Facebook and all that. So it's really a really good thing to have him on the show today because he's one of those drummers that that just has that good vibe and, and, you know, really makes the community of drummers better. Let's not waste any more time. Felix, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks so much for doing this, man. I appreciate it.
2: Not a problem, Nick. How you been, man? Good. Good. Thank you for having me as well yeah man things are uh things
0: are things are good like i said it's it's cold here in in new york so you know. <laughs> but other than that you know i can't complain too much good good so let's uh so what have you been up to lately man i know that we were talking before and uh you were doing some uh some james jameson stuff or who no with the cat who was the cat what was the cat's name that you were playing with uh, uh
2: I was just out. The recent thing I was just doing was um, I was on the um, supporting act with John Mayer. Right. Uh, we were out as American Idol artists, um, and we were supporting uh, John Mayer's tour. So it was it was it was pretty cool, man. It was it was cool. pretty cool. We had a good time.
0: Cool. What was uh, what was the guy's name that you were playing with?
2: Philip Phillips?
0: Yeah, well I don't know why I said James Jamerson. I'm, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I knew it was like the same first, and I'm like, wait, a minute, he's a bass player.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> good, man. Yeah, I was I was out with Philip Phillips from uh, 2012 season winner of um, American Idol.
0: Now, you seem, I guess, do you have some connections at um, American Idol because I know before you were like you were rehearsing the acts and then you've gone out with a couple of the American Idol winners as well, yeah. right?
2: Yes. Now I'm gonna I'm a tell you now this is gonna be very strange. Yet it's kind of funny. Um, before I actually worked on the American Idol show, uh, I was doing Hollywood Week. I toured with Clay Aiken. And then again, I went out on tour with Taylor Hicks. Mm-hmm. After uh, after touring with those guys, I got a call to do the Hollywood Week, which is where it's up to um, like maybe 175, 160, 175 contestants. And so, and this is when they're like, you know, it's like quick, quick, quick. Everybody seemingly has like, 30 seconds to make an impression and remain on the show. I did that for four years. I didn't work with any artist that within those four years. Fast forward a year later, two years later, I uh, began working with other American Idol artists and I didn't work on the Hollywood week season. So it was funny that for a span of like I'm look, seven years, since actually since 2005, I've worked, I've either toured with an American Idol artist and or worked on the, uh, the Hollywood show, Hollywood week shows, but never, never one in the same. I never worked on Hollywood week and then went out on tour. That's weird. Always were they, I mean, were they the connected
0: other. And were they connected though, or it just happened? That's just how it happened to fall.
2: It's just how it happened, because my weird. my connections didn't. I mean, after I began working with the artist, then the connections came together. But other than that, no, no one from American Idol said, "Hey, call Felix. He works with this." No, it was completely right. different uh, production teams. So,
0: so now you were doing. So this was basically like the the rounds before. Um, was that before they were going on TV? Yes. Okay. Yes, so what so you had to learn they
2: how many t- to the soundstage.
0: How many tunes did you have to learn for that?
2: Oh man. Uh, wow. It it varied, but usually it was about it would be between thirty five between thirty five and forty songs.
0: Okay. And I was, well, when I heard you saying 150, I was like, man, 152. But either way, 35, 40 songs is still a lot. That's a lot of songs to learn.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of songs to learn. And like when they were sending the charts, because I kept the charts, they would send full charts of all of these songs. And you okay. get three CDs of songs. Uh, and it was... And so you 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 would only learn, you know, depending on what song it was, you 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 might get a verse in, you might get a chorus, you might get, but it was all twenty five thirty seconds of these songs, and then I got you, and then they're going out of the way, and you're pulling up another chart, uh, to to, to move right on to the next to the next artist. I had a really cool little formula though. Which we can get into uh, in a minute. Uh, I had a really cool formula that I use that really helped me out greatly.
0: For for remembering all this stuff or charting it all out for yourself?
2: Well, for both.
0: Okay. Both. Was it like a number system kind of thing?
2: Uh, well, all right. Let me go back. I I, I like to say I'm I'm a, a, a all around drummer because I mm-hmm. work with you know worked and played with, you know, hip-hop, country, rhythm and blues, uh, Christian, contemporary rock, 70s, 80s, 90s, or so whatever. So what I would do is categorize it and give myself a tempo. Because they would give you a sheet with, with the photo or the name of the person mm-hmm. and the song that they were singing. So what I would do Is lock a tempo and get, you know, I would have my click uh, my little metronome with me, lock in a tempo and a, and a groove type. Okay. Because it's too much to, to try and, uh, look at a chart, pull it together, look at the music director and get the, the go sign. Right. right, Uh, Um, So, it, you know, you had to have a system uh, and I had this thing called the ones and twos, mm-hmm. you know, and it helped me just be able to categorize and recall within seconds what I had to, what I had to be getting ready to play.
0: I got, and that whole thing's like running gun. There's no, there's not much downtime,
2: oh, yeah. right? No, 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 no.
0: It's like tune after tune after tune. Right. Right.
2: And then sometimes you have the same tune, but a different feel.
0: I got you. I got you. So they were doing even, the cats were doing like different artists and stuff were doing different, or the same tune were maybe, you know, but this way it's going to be disco and this way it's going to be, you know, funk or whatever, but the same tune.
2: Right. Or somebody would say, well, you know, can we just slow it down a little bit? I got you. You know what I'm saying? You have to. So what I would do is just write down a reference, if it was 70s rock, 80s rock, um, reggae, uh, Latin, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, You had to, you just had to be, you had to do what you could do, man, because reading the charts weren't, you know, trying to pull up uh, a chart. Yeah. For those kind of songs, moving at that, that, that rate, man, it's just it's almost impossible.
0: And I would think that if you're playing, whatever, 30 seconds of a tune, and, you know, if you're not going to be playing the whole thing, all you really need to know is the tempo and the style of groove, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you don't need to know exactly, you know, every, every nook and cranny of the song. As long as you got the, the feel right and the, and the tempo...
2: Yeah, but this, you know, but then the other side is some songs are legendary, or mm-hmm. they're classics. So um, you would want to play. You wouldn't want to misappropriate, in my opinion, mis uh, uh, be inappropriate in 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 the performance of a song, sure. you know, of a, of a classic. Sure. You know, so. You know, with all that in mind, you know, just try and make it sound good and feel good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So now when you're doing that gig uh, artistically, I mean, how is it, it when you go in, are you just like, man, this is it's a job or is it is it, uh, you know, because I'm guessing there's not a whole there's not a ton of artistic expression going on.
2: Oh, you know. it depends. It, it depends, man. There's been a few kids on there that never made it past you know, 175. You know, never went to the stage That right. were ph- phenomenal singers, man. Really? They just they just didn't they just didn't perform. Mm-hmm. You know, it was because it's, it's you know shows like American Idol. They're all more than just singing.
0: Absolutely, and,
2: and being able to sing. Uh, some people could sing, ring. They could. They're incredible singers, but when it's time to perform, they're they're lacking.
0: Mm-hmm. S- even if they're scared to get on stage or, or don't yeah. have the stage presence or yeah. whatever it is.
2: Yeah, or it just it's going so fast, and we ha- we would have people stop and try and say, "Oh, can we start over?" Right. And then the other side is the musicians sometimes make mistakes and it throws things. So it's, it's, it's live. It's real live performance.
0: Right. And you're not doing it in front of like a studio audience or anything. Just the, just the judges, right?
2: Just the judges, the other contestants, uh, the producers. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: So now from you, you know, you playing these tunes, um, you know, kind of going back to what I was saying before—is it—is it not that—not that I'm asking if it was fun or not, because I'm sure that it was. You know, it's it's a great experience and it's cool to do. Um, but I just kind of think of like even the guys that play on, say, you know, like any of the TV shows or anything. Um, you know, like Conan or Fallon and whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, is it kind of does it kind of get to be a drag because it's not really, you know, you can't really stretch. I should I guess I'm trying to say.
2: Um it's just a discipline. Right. You know, you have it with television or you know, you have to just be able to discipline yourself to do the job. Right. You know. And I
0: think I would think that that's you know, there there's different things, you know, you play with one band and, and you're really Wide open and and stretching and do whatever you want and then you know then you take a gig like this so it's I would imagine that it's they're both equally uh, challenging and fun in their in their own way.
2: Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun because it it was it was moving so fast, man, and you really you got to be you've got to be on your toes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You yeah. have to be on, on your toes. There's no way that you can just say, oh, you know, just zone out. Right. Because uh, you just can't. You can't zone out. (laughs) You'll
0: get eaten up real quick.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll get eaten alive. (laughs) You'll get eaten alive, man. You know. Uh, And and being the drummer, I'm watching the music director, uh, Michael Orland. I'm watching... uh, I'm looking at, at the charts, looking at the artists, you know, to make sure uh, that they have what they need, you know? So it's, it's a lot going on, man. Right. You you just, you just, you have to be zoned in.
0: Totally makes sense. Totally. So before you got out to LA, um, how long have you been out in LA now?
2: It's coming up on 14 years in January. Nice. nice. It'll be four, 14 years in, in January. Cool. And,
0: and you're originally from Chicago. Yes. So do you think that um, the stuff – where do you think that you really cut your teeth? Do you think it was really in L.A.? Or do you think that you were, you were really uh, – you know you were kind of there in Chicago and the no-brainer was to move to L.A.?
2: Well, I've always wanted to move to L.A. after uh, I came to L.A. in, like, 91. um, And I always wanted to be in the environment of the best musicians, the recordings, the the movie studios. Uh, I've always wanted to be around the best.
1: Uh,
2: So, but in Chicago, I I definitely... uh, put the time in doing a number of different things and, you know, capitalizing on a uh, number of different avenues while I was in Chicago. Um, Like I, I, a lot of people, I mean, a number of people may not, I studied uh, dance back in Chicago, you know, everything from jazz, tap, traditional African, uh, I even took some, um, Russian ballet. Really? Yeah. Downtown Chicago. Uh,
0: huh. And how old were you at the time?
2: Voice studio. Um, I was 11, 12, 13. Okay. Yeah. So when
0: did you, when did you start playing? When did you start playing drums?
2: I started playing drums, man. I was two years old and wow. my mom my mom's uh where i was the the sitter they had a band and i was in love with the drums
0: so let's uh let, let's kind of create this timeline a little bit so you start when okay. you're let's create you know connect the dots between you start playing yeah. when you're 2 to playing on american idol
2: okay uh, you know all right. Uh, that's
0: kind there. of a, I know. That's kind of a loaded question, but let's. No, 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 I, I, no, I kind got, of want to you. unpack this a little bit.
2: All right, I got you. Um, my grandfather was a pastor, so the home, the sitter, like I said, the Saint where I was staying. Um, they had a band. He played drums. He also played drums at the church that uh, I was a member of. So I was around the drums all the time. You know, mm-hmm. four or five days a week. I was in some form or another around the drums and um, kept playing in church. Fast forward, about the age of 10, I started, um, you know, they have community choirs and stuff like that. Right. And, um, do you think
0: that, not to cut you off, but do you think that that's where um, where your chops really came from doing the church stuff?
2: Um, That's where I was int- introduced to the instrument. Okay. My my uh, development, or maybe not necessarily chops, but I listened to a lot of music, man. When I was when I was little, little, I, I listened to a lot of music. Not only gospel music, um, just I mean everything. Every I would sit by the radio on Saturdays and and act like I was a DJ. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, and then right. they had the little cassette recorders and you could put the little mics that had two pins in yeah. the little plastic mics. I used to do that and make tapes for my grandfather uh, with, like, different songs uh, that I would either record from the radio. Uh, I remember buying Spectrum mm-hmm. record. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember buying that record.
0: Nice.
2: You it's know, a great so record. I, yeah. So, man, I listened to a lot of music and that I think that's why today I'm so open to to uh uh not only performing but I'm open to just listening to something that I don't always listen to all the time. Right. Right. Some people only listen to what they listen to, you know, and what they play. Hmm. And 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 I I'm totally the opposite.
0: Well, I think that that put you know that gives you a better um puts you in a better place to to do any gig. So it's like, do you you know can you play this or can you play that? And it's like, yeah, well, I've I've listened to that and I've shed it a little bit and you know, so it's not totally foreign to you when you go to to sit mm-hmm. down on a gig and they're like, okay, well, we need you to you know whatever play a train beat or we need you to play some, you know, nineties rock groove or something like that.
2: Yeah. I you mean, know? cause there's a difference in, in, uh, like for example, drummers that play, uh, that do productions, you know, theatrical productions, you can't play what you would play, uh, uh, in a club setting when you have dancers. Right. Dancers need accompaniment, so you have, to, you have to know the difference in playing for uh, a dance club and playing for a, you know, just some, you know, some other other uh, arena of, of music. Right. You right. have to be conscious of what's going on around you.
0: Mm-hmm. It goes back to the, you know, the discipline thing that you were saying yeah you know more of a a discipline so so i i kind of like i I cut you off and made you derail a little bit but so you were so (laughs) i'll do that from time to time (laughs) um so you're you know you're in the church um and you're 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 playing gospel in the churches Uh uh-huh and then so where does it go from there
2: um then uh, about that time I was working with the community choir thing and then I entered high school um, I was invited to uh, my band director suggested I go to uh, audition for All City Jazz Band Mm -hmm. I started playing in All City Jazz Band and that's where I learned a lot about uh, just how to play a song
0: Right. Were you a big jazz guy before you went into that, or no?
2: Um, nothing more than just listening to it.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Nothing more than just listening to it. Uh, Because at this time, you're talking about eighty seven, nineteen eighty seven,
1: eighty eight. Right.
2: G R P is getting big.
1: Mm Hmm. Uh.
2: So, you know, you're you're starting to listen to the contemporary jazz thing is happening. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, the, con- yeah, the contemporary jazz thing is, is starting to happen. We're a little past the fusion stage, but, so I'm listening to a lot of this stuff and, you know, and you're like, wow. I'm but, like, who, o-
0: were, who were you listening to?
2: Man, Omar, Hakeem, yeah. all of those GRP records. Uh, it was, the bands were um, Omar Hakeem, Marcus Miller, um, uh, uh, Dave Grusin, uh, that Sanborn stuff. Right. Um, Harvey Mason stuff. This was before mm. Four play. So, uh, just special effects. A lot of those bands, the Chicory Electric Band came in right. to play. Um, uh, John 2G solo stuff, uh, Eric Marienthal stuff. So I really enjoyed.
0: And you were listening uh, to the right stuff, you know.
2: I, I mean, I, dude, I, I loved listening to, to that stuff. Right. You know, it's you good. The,
0: That's
1: why.
2: <laughs> uh, and you had a it's new scene yeah. and the LA scene. Mm hmm. You know, uh, the Steve Kahn record. With, with with Reckle and um, Anthony Jackson, yep, and Eric Gale and you know so I so I I, I was really enjoying that that time, but then mm-hmm. when I went back and started playing with a, a man named Dr. Willie Naylor, trumpet player, incredible trumpet player, um, you know he crushed me, breaking he broke you down because. It's like,
1: come on, man, play the songs. Don't be playing
0: all that shit. <laughs> right, right. And it, you know what, man? And it's like when somebody does that, it's like you want to put your tail between your legs and run home. You know.
1: Yeah. I, yeah but you need
0: what? you need that kind of thing. I remember, you know, a couple years ago, uh, or well, it's a while ago now. But there was a uh, guitar player, um, Joey francesco's brother, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really close with him and he and another guy Glenn Farrakhan, who's a drummer um played with like Johnny Cash and played on all played on the last like Joey D record and stuff. Okay. Um but they like I, same thing man I'm playing and they're like what are you playing? Right. What is what is this shit that you're playing? Right. And I'm like I'm thinking I'm doing all this hip stuff and they're like no nah, man you need to oh. you need to learn something. And I'll never forget man I left the studio that night and I was like I almost cried on my way home. You know. <laughs> but it was great. I'm glad it happened. You know, it totally changed changed the way I played. But at the time I was like, man, those guys are mean and and yeah. I'm, you know.
2: <laughs> but it, it, it what it does is it teaches you to really pull it together and right. and play songs and it's like now man, I trust me, I love fusion guys. I love the chops or whatever, but I want to hear some songs, man. I, I, melody. I don't, even, I don't really go to jam sessions anymore because it's it's too much. <laughs> right. You know. I need melody, we, man. Yeah, and for me, it's like all of all jam sessions turn into a drum off.
0: Right. Right. Of Hello. I'll never forget. I was down at uh, I was in L.A. I went to the Piano Bar, mm-hmm. and uh, actually I met I met um, Kahari Parker there.
2: Yeah, that's my
0: boy. Yeah, yeah no, Actually, we we talked about it, and he was like, "Oh, you know Felix and yeah." He was he was super cool. Um, but there was another drummer playing there, and you know every measure was just back So the bass player solos, and the drummer's still doing that, and then the piano player solos, and the drummer's still doing that. And now they're like, give the drummer some. And I was like, man, this drummer's already had some. Right. He's
2: he's had some for everybody.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And he was, was, man. He was amazing. But when it came to his solo, it was just the same stuff that he had been playing for the last half hour. So nobody even really cared to watch it. But if he would have laid back the whole entire time and then played that solo you to blew the roof off the place of course you know of
2: course of course but that's never how uh, a a number of guys perceive it right you know i I mean you know a gig that i was just recently doing is and i wasn't overplaying but i had uh i had one one uh one rack two floors And I had a, you know, they say a bunch of symbols, And it was like, you know what? Let me take a whole bunch of this stuff away. Right. And just play the gig. And, um, you know, they were like, oh, man, we didn't miss the other stuff. So, and it, and it, it really opened my eyes, man, that sometimes when you're, when you're playing for an audience that's really not coming to see you. Right. Don't, don't, don't try and just play the game because it doesn't matter how much stuff. It's like we're overdoing it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The people mm-hmm. really don't, they really don't care. Sure. You got a beautiful looking drum set, but the people, right. really, they don't care. Right. They could care, or they just—should uh, should I say—they could care less.
1: Right,
0: right, and they just—you know—they um, want to hear the tune. They want to hear the, they and as a drummer, we're, we're we're an accompanist, so we should, you know, lay back and, and and let the tune do what it's supposed to do, not be on a, a on a different agenda or my own, you know, your own agenda. I guess you could say.
2: Yeah, and I mean, but you know, it, there's a there's a slight. Um, is a misconception because there's a, there's a tune called live it up by the Isley brothers. Mm-hmm. I was driving down the street, man. And, uh, and I, I heard this tune and it was grooving so hard. And, you know, it was like maybe every eight bars, the got was and it, that groove didn't go nowhere, but it was so, it was like every time they played it around, it got more intense. It got more and more intense. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then you got, you get some drummers that play a lot of chops and stuff like that. And they're talking about, well, the groove is, you know, playing the pocket or playing the groove is more than just, you know, playing a simple groove and, and making a stiff face. And I'm like, but on Steely Dan records, you hardly ever hear a drum feel.
0: Very rarely.
2: But you know what?
0: The songs is
2: killing, And the yep. groove is killer. So, you know, I guess in the bigger scheme of things, there's, there's room for it all, man. Yeah. You know, there's room for it all. You know, uh, for me, I like... You know, you you grow and you mature to a place, and that's where you are. For mm-hmm. some, you know. I, me, I think as a
0: are. as a young drummer, I was, you know, you were. Tell me if you were the same way, but I would always try to play as much as I could and and show off all my licks and and everything. And now it's more of like, how can I make this groove as hard as it possibly can and play the least amount of stuff possible? Yeah. You know, yeah. and just let it breathe, and yeah. You know,
2: I th- I think I've always been a groove player, right? But I've I've definitely uh, taken advantage of of sitting back and listening to to more songs being played uh, and how the song developed as opposed to okay, I'm a, I'm gonna play this killer role right here. Uh, and and get people to notice me, right? First of all, if you if they're bobbing their head, if they're dancing, if they're moving and grooving, you already got them. So why right. did you need to? And if you know, and if you get a solo on a gig, hey, you know you're batting a thousand. If not, right? Who, really, who cares?
0: Exactly, exactly, totally. Totally agree with you, man. I feel the same exact way. Unfortunately, not everybody feels that way, but no, you know,
2: uh, and that's okay too.
0: <laughs> right, right.
2: That's all right.
0: Okay. So, so you were uh, where were we in your in your timeline here? Uh, uh, oh, so you were playing I, with the you're playing with the trumpet player?
2: Yes, uh, the all city jazz band, and right. that's where I, I learned. You know, I, I took it to another level of, of playing and, and learning songs and. Uh, how to approach a jazz tune, uh, as opposed to a blues tune, uh, as opposed to a ballad. Um, then, start playing around town, playing uh, there's a famous club called the Jazz Bulls mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago. Um, and, uh, you know, started working with a bunch of guys around town. Probably wanna, I learned more in one weekend with this jazz guitarist named Bobby Broom, a bass player named Billy Dickens, and a keyboard player named Jim Slattery. I'll never forget. A partner of mine, Robert Shipley, a popular drummer, turned me on to this gig, and, uh, man... I learned more in that weekend just playing <laughs> with those guys than I did in a number of years uh, of, of my career, man. They were right. and I remember, it's like going to school. Yeah, 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 yeah. The accelerated made sure, program. <laughs> yeah, they made sure, you know, because these guys, I mean, they play, you know, they jazz players and they can play a bunch of stuff. And um and you know, and when they turned me give me my solo, I was playing just a bunch of just playing a bunch of licks that right. I practice and not playing with my soul. Mm-hmm. And I remember them saying, "Man, forget all of that. Play what you feel. Don't play what you practice. Play what you feel. What you practice is in there." play what you feel, man. Right. And, uh, and that was a big, that was a big, that was a big, 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 big weekend for me.
0: That's, uh, I mean, you know, that's good. It's good advice. Cause the stuff that yeah. you're practicing is just, that's going to give you the, you know, the, the, uh, the ability to play what you hear in my ear in your head, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Stamina and, you know, and, and just working things out, but that. It's a lot different than what you play when you, you know,
0: playing what you're feeling. Right. Right. And that's a, I've always said that, you know, I want to have, you know, you want to have the best chops that you can possibly have, but not necessarily to play all these licks, but to be able to to play what you hear in your head. Yes. You know, and play what you hear in your heart. So that way you don't have to think about it. It's just there. Yeah. So you can play at a million miles an hour if you need to, but if you want to play at it 50, it's yeah. effortless.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yep. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, so we did the Chicago thing and in Chicago, uh, I played blues clubs. Uh, I worked with a couple of, um, blues artists. Uh, I did the, did some, um, theatrical productions while I was there. Um, and then, actually, after, after high school and was doing the club thing, I went out on tour with uh, some gospel plays. Oh, okay. 19 years old. I'm, I'm touring and gone, home, gone away from home nine months out of the year. Wow. You know. Uh, and with did you like touring? What did you say?
0: Did you like touring or did you?
2: I loved it. I, I yeah. loved it, man. Yeah, I I loved, touring. I was you know playing eight shows a week. Wow. You know we were doing uh, our work week from, was from Tuesday to Sunday. Hmm. You know we'd do two shows on Saturday, two shows on Sunday. You know a matinee on Saturday and Sundays with the show. Um. But yeah, man, I I had a great time. I had a great time. Met a lot of people. I was networking mm-hmm. like like crazy, man. I, I was always, you know, interested in going to a, a jazz hang or a club to hang that had music. Not, you know, so much the dance clubs and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but I was I was trying to see where the music was at.
0: Right. You know. And it's nice that you got to travel to all these different places, so you're getting, you know, a a bunch of different styles and a bunch of different players and clubs, and and you know, yeah. so you're definitely. It's not like you're going down to the same club every night of the week, seeing the same cats playing, and you know,
2: right, right, yeah. So that was that was yeah. So then I, I then I started traveling internationally. Um,
0: With the same group.
2: No, doing, uh, working with this, um, saxophone player. Okay. He was, he was an older guy and he had these young guns, you know, these 20, 20, under 25 year old cats. Uh, and he was, Mike was late forties, early fifties and we're, we're combining music styles and, uh, you know, we're making Janet Jackson tunes. We're turning uh, Janet Jackson's "Black Cat" into an R&B song, and you know, nice. just taking all of these—not uh, uh, yeah—John Coltrane arrangements and making them, you know, playing them in odd time. And it, man, it was crazy. Uh, just incredible stuff. Incredible stuff, man.
0: Uh, What was the guy's name that you were doing that with?
2: Michael Brown. Michael Brown. Yep, Michael Brown. Uh, And the band was uh, Sean Williams, phenomenal guitar player from Chicago. Uh, Daniel Weatherspoon, he's a keyboard player from Chicago. He's a producer. Got a bunch of production stuff out there. Uh we had two different bass players. One was Lamar Jones, bad bass player. And this other guy was Walter Harrington. And we did a couple of, uh, like Japan and, uh, Hawaii and Korea. You we traveling with, for the military, doing military, you know, okay. like a, uh, what's,
0: what's that called? The UUSO? USO.
2: Yes. We did some yeah. USO tours. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, you know, between doing that and traveling around Chicago, came back home, came back to Chicago for a bit and um, got married, did some television while I was in Chicago. And that was it. And I think that was the biggest thing before I moved out here. Uh, and just whoever here, the interview, I really want to encourage them because everybody's like, oh, man, I want this boring here wherever they are and I want to move to LA. I want to move to LA. And my thing is try and make sure that you maximize where you, where you currently live.
0: Right. You, I don't know if you remember, you and I talked on the phone probably, man, this was, this was years ago. I don't even, Mm -hmm. it was probably, it was probably six, seven years ago, something like that. Uh Uh And, uh, and you were set, do you i don't know if you do you remember where we met
2: um uh was it the bitter End?
0: no we were in philly we were playing i played with you and uh everlast at the, the at Troc. The,
2: yeah 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 okay. yeah <laughs> at, at the um oh jeez i never the Trocadero. The club. yeah cuz they yeah. we were right there at the club like right on the corner the bus was too big for the
0: street or something Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, right in Chinatown. Yes,
2: yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah yeah. So, I, I remember calling you uh a little bit after that you were like, "Yeah, you know, let's let's rap." And uh and you said the same thing. You were like, "Make sure that, you know, you maximize two things that I always remember you told me. You were like, "Maximize what you're doing in in your area before you make the move." And then when you do move, get ready for the phone, not to ring for a I long time. ring
2: because it does, Hey, you'll be like, what is going on? Is there something wrong with me or what? But it, it's not. It's just, it's just naturally, you know, what, what, uh, it's what happens.
1: Because right. a
2: lot of people think, oh, I'm going to move to LA and everybody's going to, going to, know who you are and mm-hmm. you know nine times out of ten it takes a while man
1: it takes right
2: because you you know you're you're a big fish in the pond you were in but you come out here and midwater is a lot it's a lot more vast than the circles we, we've been in right you know but it's
0: possible you know,
1: oh, absolutely! Th- absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, get intimidated because it, it's hard, you know, and it, it's it's a, like you said, you're a you're a small fish in a big pond once you get out there. But
1: uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I think it discourages people from going out. But it's possible. It's just gonna, it, you know, it takes a while.
2: Yeah, it, it yeah it takes a while, and you gotta you gotta be willing to stick it out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You gotta be willing to to stick it out and and say okay. All right. I got to I just got to relax and just make it through this little phase.
0: So you were while you were in Chicago, um you were maximizing what you were doing there and then yep. said, "All right, I'm going to make the move to LA."
2: Yep.
0: So yep. let's talk about that move a little bit. Let's how, you know, what you did when you got into town and then how you kind of started to to make a name for yourself because I think a lot of people Say, uh, well, I'm going to move to Nashville or I'm going to move to LA or I'm going to move to New York. And then they get there and they go, okay, now what? You Mm -hmm. know, now what do I do? How do I get work? How do I, um, you know, start to make a name for myself? How do I network?
2: Okay. Um, uh, January 15th, 2000. I, um, no, well, the 13th, I left on the 13th, um, headed out here put my I shipped my clothes I put my drums in my truck drove out and
0: um, Now did you have any connections when you moved out there?
2: Yeah I I knew a few people and uh, actually Sheila E I had a gig with her on the 17th in New York Uh, and uh, so we started rehearsal on the 15th and so I knew her, but when I came to town, you know, I was staying, you know, an hour outside the city. Uh, so I was driving in, and I had a couple, I let a couple of buddies know I was coming into town. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NAM show was coming up, so it was a good place to see a bunch of people and say, hey, I'm in town, and da, 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 da. da. Right. So um, I just started just going to, you know, see a few friends that I knew and just kind of hanging a little bit and just trying to meet as many people as I can, just shaking hands, hey, how you doing, da-da-da-da-da. So, but the thing about L.A., it's so many different types of things going on. You almost really have to zone in on what types of gigs what type of you know playing and stuff you want to do because if if you don't you know if you want to do sessions go you know just hang and do the sessions if Mm -hmm. you want to do the touring thing do the touring thing because sometimes you can just you can be you can spread yourself really really thin right And, uh, you know, you start getting session calls, then you start touring, the session calls going to stop. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely.
2: And vice versa.
0: What's that saying? He who, he who is everywhere is nowhere. Is nowhere. Yeah. And then, or if you stay home to do the sessions, you're like, nah, I'm doing the session and they stop calling you for touring work.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you just have to, uh, Decide what you want to do and in which direction you want to, you know, direction and which lane you want to stay in. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not, I'm not saying that you can't do anything else, but you don't want to, you just don't want to be all over the place.
0: Right. You're saying the majority of your effort needs to be put in one thing, and you may get a couple sessions here and there if you want to do the touring thing or vice versa, yeah. but, yeah. But really. So you were, uh, you're in LA, you're shaking hands, you're meeting people, you're, you're, you're hanging out. And, uh, so what was your, when did you kind con- how long did it take before you were, you know, getting gigs and, and really started to feel like you were, you were moving in the right direction?
2: Uh, well, man, uh, Gordon Campbell, he, man, he hooked me up, uh, with a, a steady church gig out here. And I, I was there for five years. But wow. later, later in that year, later in 2000, uh, I got an audition with Ricky Minor to go out with Anastasia. Okay. And so was that after, like a cattle call? Uh, no. No. no it, it wasn't a cattle call. Um, it was three drummers. And the final two were Trevor Lawrence and I. And uh, I ended up, well, Anastasia liked me. You know, she okay. came by the studio. She liked me. And so that helped me get the gig.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, and from there, you know, that, that grew, that grew. And uh, started doing some other stuff with uh, people that knew Sheila. One of the right. girls that was singing with Bette Midler, she called and started doing some stuff with her. And then you know, and then, no, you worked with it, Bette Midler? No, 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 no. Uh, the girl Carol. The girl, oh, okay. I, I was, yeah, I was working with. She, she, um, she worked with Bette Midler.
0: I see what you're saying.
2: Okay. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of how that happened, and then, um, uh, then the Clay Aiken thing came about, and it's it's weird, man. For me. Whenever I, I, I really take time to practice and better myself in an area, work comes about in that particular.
1: Because
2: hmm. um, one summer, the summer of 05, actually, the summer of 05, I was like, man, I'm going to brush up on my brush work. Right. I'm going to really, you know, just kind of start zoning in and get my brush thing happening. And in November, early November of 2005, a partner of mine that I had been doing some sessions for comes and was like, hey man, you know, Clay Aiken's got an opening for a drummer, but it's a heavy brush gig. <laughs> now, how, how, you know, how ironic and how things happen with that. So, and, and they were, it, it was a, it was Christmas season, so it was like it's going to be a bunch of Christmas songs and Christmas production. So what I did, I had a partner that worked with uh, Bray Manilow. Right. So I went to check out the Bray Manilow show. Sure. You know, that's kind of the same little genre vein, whatever. And, um, you know, of course I got the gig and then and that's that's how I would approach things. Right. If I knew that I was going to be working with an artist or doing a certain type of production or something like that, I would find the artist, go spend the money, and go and see them. Because mm-hmm. before I moved to L.A., uh, I was supposed to do this really big big production and, uh, for the millennium. And um, Bette Midler was in Chicago. And I spent $90 to go and see, see ben Miller.
0: Right. And, it and it's, was, in, you're investing in your, in yourself, you know,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, that was, and that was the whole, that was moving to LA and just starting to get into, you know, getting in, into the scene.
0: So when did the, uh, you're working with, with Clay. Um, how did the Lionel Richie thing come about?
2: Well, Oscar seeing and I are, are good friends uh, back from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew Chucky Booker. I, I had met him years earlier uh, just hanging out. So Oscar couldn't do a gig, and uh, he trusted me and said, hey, man, you know, can you cover the can you cover the gig for me? And I was like, sure, of course. And I'd gone to their rehearsals a bunch of times and so I knew a lot of the arrangements and I had had a couple of live shows uh that I listened to. Uh so yeah, so when they called me, I was like, Okay. Now the funny thing about Lionel's gig, I never rehearsed with them. Uh and the first show was Oprah Winfrey really yeah no rehearsal no rehearsals 2003
0: just the just the sound check and go
2: sound check the night before and go so I had a um, I had a a, 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 and all now mind you I got the three because they were doing the three song medley I got the songs on the way to the airport.
0: Listen to them on the airport.
2: <laughs> listen, listen to them
0: right, on the airplane.
2: Flying from LAX to Chicago, Chicago Chicago's my home city, of course. So you, you know, you want to be on point, you know, you, you, you know, you can't go home. Right. You know, sounded bad. So, uh, we're fine. You know, the, 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 um, coming into the show and, and rehearse and everything is good. So after the taping, this is when she used to do the after show. Oprah, Oprah used to, to do hear, the after. Yeah. After, after the, the regular show would go off, she would want to hear, you know, she would, they would do other songs. Right. So we had, you're
0: like, I don't know any, I don't know any other
1: songs.
2: We hadn't rehearsed anything. So right. she wants to hear endless love. So Chucky e. Booker has a has a has a secret mic that only people the only only we can hear. That's on the internet, mm-hmm.
1: so like a talkback mic. You
2: know, yeah, I knew the ballot, so he talked me through it, and then nice. she wanted to hear all night long.
0: Ah, oh, that's a killer groove too.
2: So, but now their show is on Pro Tools. Uh huh. So. You know they were like, well, hey, can we do it? And he and they was like, all right, well, let's go. So I counted it in, gave it the lick, and the Pro Tools guy put the Pro Tools. He put the Pro Tools. He matched it to us, as opposed to listening to it and and uh, and going like that. So it was, it was man, I had a headache <laughs> the size of. Chicago, <laughs> it, man, it, it, it turned out great, man. It turned out great, and I've been subbing the gig ever since. For you know, for about seven, eight years.
0: Right. So, are you are you the uh, first call, or are you you always the second call for that?
2: Um, uh, in terms of no, Oscar, because it's his gig, he's the first. You know, it's his gig. Uh, but you know, for most of the up until the last couple of years. I was the only sub. I got you. I had a couple things happen this year, so uh, they had to find someone else to do it. But uh, I'm still, you know, very tied in. I can go to any shows, you know, and Mm -hmm. and hang. And, you know, I know everybody. They know me. And and Lionel is is super cool. And, you know, so it's always a hang. It's always cool.
0: Cool. So what, um, so I'm just looking at like all the, all the people that you have, that you've played with and, and, uh, the things that you've done. Um, so you did some stuff. uh, I know, well, Sheila East, she's from Chicago, isn't she?
2: No, Sheila's from the Bay Area, actually.
0: Is she really? I thought, I don't know why I thought she was from Chicago. Yeah,
2: she's from the Bay Area.
0: I got gotcha. you. So, so you did some stuff with uh, with Shaka Khan, the Staple Singers, Jessica Simpson, Brian Culbertson, Phil Upchurch. Um, so, landing all those gigs, do you think that it was? Well, I guess the question is, how how do these gigs come about? Do you think it's more of a networking thing, or do you? Is it more of a cattle call audition? Uh, you know, prove your worth kind of thing.
2: Uh, I think it's more. Networking. It's more, hello, how you doing? Right. My name is Felix. Right. I play drums.
0: Right, and not, and I wasn't, uh, you know, not taking away from your playing because you can meet all these people. But if you're not a good player, then it's not going to go anywhere farther than Absolutely. that. So, so, Absolutely. you know, so obviously the the ability is the first and foremost thing. But then now, how do you take that ability to land these big gigs? Is what I was what I was saying. Yeah.
2: yeah. And you know what, and I think it's, uh, of course you have to know how to play and perform, but man, it's really the attitude thing. Right. It's really the attitude. I think a lot of artists nowadays will, 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 they're more willing to work with a mediocre cat that's that they can get along and and they're on time and they do their job as opposed to working with somebody that can play, 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 but are idiots.
0: Right. I hear that more and more that, you know, like doing all these interviews. And I, you know, I knew that for years, but now every single person I talk to says the same thing, that there's, you know, there's plenty of guys that can play, circles around me, but they yeah. use me because I'm cool. Basically. Yeah. It, it, that's it, not me. It, so, I'm saying it, that's what everybody's telling me, you know, that it, like,
2: that's of a headache. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I
0: agree. And you know, especially in LA, it's like, okay, you're great. You can, you can play all this stuff, but you're not cool. So we'll find the guy down the street that can play just as well as you can, or maybe even a little bit worse, but they're cool. So
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so much easier, man. It's, it's yeah. so, so much, so much, much easier.
0: Especially if you got to spend time with them
2: on the bus for
0: six months.
2: You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be sitting on the bus with somebody that, uh, you know, you either don't get along with or it's just not a good vibe.
0: Right. Yeah, you it's like living, you know, it's like living with somebody that you don't like. Yeah. yeah nobody course. wants to do that. No. <laughs> so the, uh, I got to ask you about the the Everlast gig since we, you know, that's that's where we met. How did you, how'd you end up getting that gig? Uh,
2: Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence? Trevor, yeah, he turned me on, he turned me on to it. Cause he had worked in the studio with him. And, uh... And um, he, uh, he, he, he wasn't going on, out on tour at the time with him. So he called and, hey, man, you know, I'm going to put you on this gig. And, I, and that's how it happened. Cool. That's how that would happen. And, and uh, man, it was, it was great. So do
0: you still go out with him when he goes out or no?
2: No, I haven't gone out no. with Everlast in two years okay yeah about, yeah about two two years um I got you they the House of pain did a reunion tour with two of the guys, and um, so we 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 did a bunch of dates, man, toured Europe with Australia, you know, did a month around the states um, and we had a you know good, man. we had a good time
0: just t- did they do, they, I mean, do they still go out now or no?
2: Well, they, they go out separately. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. They, they go out separately.
0: I got you. So what's next for you? What's on the, is there any gigs you're eyeing up that you're, you're trying to get? Like, who's the, who's the guy that you're or the girl that you're like, man, I really want that gig.
2: Uh, I'm not sure right now, man. Uh, Without, just without, you know, going into too many details, the last gig I was on, it it just, it didn't work. And I kind of gotten, have gotten a a sour taste in my mouth. So, but I am working on a project. It's a band called One Nation. It's a new project um, where there's a, you know, you got four different guys from four different genres of music. We came together and put a band together and um, the record sounds good, man. Good. You know, I can't it's wait a to rotten, hear it. so rock guy, uh from from Yes, uh smooth jazz guy, Steve Oliver, um piano player that's that's worked with Moody Blues forever and then myself. So nice. you got yeah, four different flavors in there, four different vibes in there. Nice. The music was great. Was When's that coming out? Um, we're probably going to come out in the, the top of the year, but I think we're, uh, we're doing some promotional touring like November, December. Late November the last week of, weekend of November uh, through December. So I'll I'll definitely have to keep you posted on that.
0: Yeah, especially if you come to uh if you come to New York at all.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's gonna be in the Midwest and, and East Coast, so Oh, okay, cool. That should be that should be real cool. You know, so, so I mean, that's, that's um uh, I'm and I'm I'm trying to get my my uh, home studio up and rolling. You know, cause I want to do some. I want to do some recording at home.
0: Do some tracking.
2: Yeah, do some seems tracking. like
0: more, more, more cats are going down that, down that road where they're, you know, they're staying home and just and cutting drums at their at their home studios.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, makes sense, man. You know.
2: Yeah, it does, man. Especially you know, if you have a kit that you really enjoy playing on and it sounds nice, you know, and you can do more for favors and do more work and, you know, Cass was like, well, Hey, you know, let me play on your record. And then you play on my record. Right. You know, but then if they right. got to go out to another studio, it's a little more challenging mm-hmm. to, to do. So.
0: So are you trying to ease off of the touring a little bit? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, I love traveling, but, if if I in order for me to tour, it's got to be right, man. It's right. got it's got to be yeah, it's got to be right. It's got to be right.
0: It makes sense. Is it the the dollar figure or just the just the whole around
2: all around, man? You know, yeah. Uh, you know, you have to know when you can make your money,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you know, when when the money's not necessarily there, and also. Uh, cause I love playing golf, man.
0: I (laughs) I know. I always, I always see pictures of you playing
2: golf. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be, you know, chastised or, or just because I love to play golf. Right. You know, let me be, I'm not, you know, musically at some point I'm on time.
0: Is that is that what it was on the last tour that were mad because you were playing golf?
2: Um, well, it was a number of things, man. It was it was a number of things. So, I, it 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 just you know there are gigs where you don't fit, right? And I didn't fit.
0: So what? I, what are they worried about? You're going to hurt your hand or something playing?
2: Playing no, golf? No, 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 absolutely not. No. no, no, it was just it was. it it was just, it wasn't a good fit. Right. It wasn't a good fit at all. You know, so when I came home or, you know, when I was let go from the gig, um, and did you kind
0: of know, and I don't, you know, I don't want to dive in too deep that you don't feel comfortable with, but, um, did you kind of, were you kind of like, this isn't, this isn't going to last long. Like they're either going to get rid of me or I'm going to leave.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You have to know. If you don't know that about a gig, and you're on it, and you're living on a bus with people every day, then you are pretty much living on an island. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to know. And I, I knew. I was surprised I lasted as long as I did, and it had nothing to do with the music either.
0: Really? Yeah. Just didn't get. Just weren't vibing with with everybody.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: Well you know, like you said, you don't not every gig is is for everybody, so
2: no, 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 you know and and, and you can't take it personal
0: because right.
2: you know, uh what I'm discovering is more and more of these things happen to more and more of us. But right. we don't talk about it because oh, you know, you're embarrassed or whatever your reason is. And right. It's like, man, please. Everybody's gotten you know, people get fired from gigs, gigs don't work out, you know, sure. you have a bad day, you have a bad night, whatever. And it's life.
0: Right. That's part of the industry,
2: man. That's part of that's part of what we do and and all of it. So
0: And a lot of the and a lot of the artists just after a while they just you know, they wanna switch to it up. Them so them they get up. a whole new band or they get, you know, a yeah, new guitar player, good. drummer or whatever
2: they want to do something else and they have every right to do that something else. Right. Every right. So I, I give them their right to do something else. Right. right, right. And at the same time, you know, I take mine.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. You have to,
2: you know, I take you know. mine and doing something else. So it's all good.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. So if you had, uh, I always ask everybody on the show, what, if you had some advice for for guys that are coming up and that that really want to uh, you know try to make a career out of doing this and tr- want to do touring work or session work or or anything, what what advice do you do you have for them?
2: Run fast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Run for the hills. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you're going to commit, commit to it, man. Commit to whatever you're doing. Don't. Uh, try not to look at it as, you know, a big gig or a little gig, uh, because you never know who's listening. You never know who's watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, always, always play like always, play your gig like it's your last, right? Yeah, yeah. Play the gig like play the life into the gig.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and what what obstacles do you do you feel like you face that? that, uh, you know, once you kind of got through them, it it made it a little bit easier for you? Uh,
2: Changing the work ethic. Yeah? Yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta put the time in, man,
0: you know. And before it wasn't happening and... and you, well, I mean, you know,
2: no, no, you just meaning like once you, once you, I don't like to use the word arrive, but once you start making connections, don't, don't say, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm working with such and such and I don't have to learn somebody else's music uh, or something like that. I got you. you know, make sure you're prepared.
0: Right. And that's when the real work starts or, you know, when you start getting these gigs, it's like, okay. Now I really gotta work to keep this gig or or you know take these gigs yep. to the next level,
2: yeah, 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 I got you, yep, so that I mean other than that, have fun, man,
0: you have, have to fun. that's what have it's all fun. about,
2: yeah, have fun
0: and
2: and uh yeah, just have fun, make sure you have fun,
0: well, I think that's uh. I think that's a good place to stop, <laughs> you know. Right, right now, just I, th- that's that's great advice to to have fun. That's the most important part, you know. That's why we all started started playing music in the first place, and and I feel like once that once the fun is gone, then maybe yeah, you want to look into those, doing something else.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know?
0: Well, Felix, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you doing this.
2: Nick, it's all good, man. Thank you for for having me, man
0: absolutely man i'll uh, I'll talk to you soon
2: Nick I'll talk to you soon man, bro.
0: So there he was, Felix the cat Pollard and be sure to check out some of his YouTube videos. Uh, there's just some ridiculous clips of him him playing man he's a he's a monster, and you can visit my website drummersresource.com, dot com or like the facebook page facebook dot com forward slash drummersresource and if you want to get at me on Twitter. I'm at Nick underscore Ruffini, R-U-F-F-I-N-I. And until then, keep drumming. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. I'm out.